You are listening to Spark Reunited, a series of shows celebrating 25 years of broadcasting on this student community radio station. Whether it was Utopia or Spark, the people featured on the station have made it into what it is today. You're listening to Season 1 of Spark Reunited. Everyone interviewed in this season attended the event for Spark's 25th birthday in November of 2022. In this episode, I guess is former TV and radio presenter, as well as current lecturer, Susie Martin. Hope you enjoy. I'm Shawn Michael, and welcome to a special edition of Spark Content. I'm here with the lady of the hour herself, Susie Martin. How are you doing, Susie? I'm good, thank you. I was a utopian. Yes. <laughs> I was saying, you have the bragging rights against the, the Sparkies like us. So so how are you doing? I'm great, thank you. Yes, so it's been a, a bit of a roller coaster of a ride since Utopia. Obviously, uh, welcome back to campus. So when you were involved with Utopia, like, how, like, in what capacity were you involved in what time period? So I, I wasn't an MA student. I was a, an, a regular sort of degree student. But we were allowed to sort of submit our demos to the MA students and they picked who they wanted to go on air. Um, I managed to get on air doing quite a few shows. Um, I think we used to do, like, mid-morning shows. Back then, Utopia was um, an RSL, so it was a restricted service licence, which meant that we got two weeks in the year to broadcast on. So it was always a a big thing and all the students wanted to be involved because we we weren't as lucky as you guys. We didn't get 24-7 radio on our doorstep. It was those two weeks and we made the most of those two weeks. So um, that's very interesting. Yeah, we have like different kind of like upbringings into, I guess, radio and just this field. Um, What made you initially want to even hop into radio in the first place? So I always loved sound, and when I was in school, um, you had to do work experience placement, and everyone was going into shops and things like that, and I was like, that is so boring. And I got into my head that I could do radio, and I found that there was a hospital radio near where I lived um, in Teesside. So I went along, did hospital radio. I did um, one week at hospital radio, um, and I was so good. Well, I I like to think so. They asked me to go back and do some volunteering for them. And while I was volunteering for them, I just it sort of took off from there. But then it wasn't enough. I wanted more. I always wanted. You always want more in this industry. (laughs) Um, It's like the adrenaline of it. So I um, came to university eventually, and obviously I wanted to be part of Spark, which was Utopia at the time. Um, Managed to get myself under the table there. While I was here, it still wasn't enough. So I did some bits at Sun FM, which is over the water. And I knocked on the door at a place called TFM, um, which is a Teesside radio station, and also at Metro Radio. So while I was at uni, because I was doing um, Utopia at the time, it, it was always quite good for, for places like Sun. They were happy to take you because they could see you had a, a genuine interest in, in the, the course and, and in the job. So they took me on at Sun. I managed to do some overnights, doing some shows at Sun for a while, do some tech up and anything they wanted me to do, I was the girl. I was like, yes, I'll just do everything. Um, exactly the same at TFM and at Metro. Worked on Alan Robson's Night Owls, which unfortunately is finished now, but it was quite an iconic show, talk show of the time. Loved that. Um, and then sort of my career stayed in radio for a little while and ended up working for a place called Real Radio, um, which used to be Century Radio. This is so much history today. Um, and then Real Radio um, changed to Heart, and I was really fortunate to be the breakfast show producer on Heart um, and did the launch from Real Radio to Heart Radio. That was so hard work. That was really hard to do. Um, it was tiring. 
but it was great. Yeah, you, wow, you, you really wrapped yeah. up your journey in a good like. <laughs> oh, I didn't end there. <laughs> uh, uh, still going. Yeah, well, obviously uh, you have a lot of experience. That seems to be the name of the game in this field. So uh, what would you say, what specific skills did you gain from working here at, at the time, Utopia, and how those skills helped you through your career? Well, so obviously just getting hold of the desk like touching the buttons, moving the buttons, understanding what things are, um, getting support from peers and working as a team. I think when you're, when you're in studies, you feel like you're on your own quite a lot. Um, but then when you work on something like Utopia, it was really very much hands on deck, especially for us um, back in the day. It wasn't as fancy as what you guys have now. And it really was hard work and hard graft just to keep the station afloat on air um, make sure everyone was sort of where they were meant to be, when they were meant to be. And just that camaraderie and, and team work is something that really is instilled in the industry. And I think sometimes because you're, you're writing essays and you're studying and you want your own projects to, to happen how you want it to, I think sometimes you forget how much you have to work as a team for, for things to work out. Uh, so since then, obviously, my career has always involved teamwork. Um, and even a really small role within a project... Um, is so valuable and I think sometimes you so I was working at Tyne Tees for a little while and um, one of my jobs was was doing some admin for Tyne Tees um, and at the time I didn't feel like it was the most important thing in the world doing risk assessments or sorting out a rotor to make sure there was some crew on site it didn't feel that important but if that little cog of me at that time had fell the whole project the whole broadcast would have fell um, so I think one of the big lessons I learned during Utopia was how much every little cog is important, no matter how much you think it's quite small and oh. unimportant. Yeah, and it seems like you've had since then, you might not use this word, but from where I'm standing, I'd say an illustrious career. The fact that you can't even, you know, recap it in, you know, a short amount of time speaks to, you know, the length and consistency of your career. Uh, but my question to you would be, what, up to this point, would you say is the biggest opportunity that you've had of your career up to this point? So... I currently work as a continuity announcer for Channel 4, so I'm that annoying voice that goes, on the way next, more Simpsons. Um, <laughs> but you know what, Like I never dreamt. That was never of my career path. I remember my very first radio lesson here at Sunderland, and we were in that little classroom, we sat round in a circle, and we went round asking what people's ambitions were, Channel 4 was never an ambition of mine. My ambitions were sort of, you know, we had a little laugh and a joke, me and my friends, about it because they were all talking about being on BBC Radio 1 and Radio 2 and 5 Live and all these big, massive stations. And I sat there and I said, oh, quite fancy being on TFM. I'd love to have my own show. The year after I finished uni, I was really lucky because I got my own show on, on TFM. But the bigger highlight of that is speaking to two million people every day on, on Channel 4, telling them that Countdown's on the way. Like, that was amazing. Um, Countdown is just, it's an icon of, of TV. You know, back from, was it 1982, I think, Channel 4 started, and it's it's ran. It's been, like, their longest... It was the first ever programme on Channel 4, and it was their longest-running programme. So just to sit there in my little box and say, he's Countdown, like, that was... That was amazing. <laughs> Loved it. What was your favorite memory as a student? Oh, I or a volunteer, don't know if I can I say that on the radio. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, we used to have some great rap parties because obviously we only did two weeks. 
when we had Utopia. And for the three years, we only had the two weeks. So we made sure we went out with a bang afterwards. We had some great parties. It was lovely to get everyone together. And then we used to scrutinise everything that went wrong and then try and put it together and, and try and rewrite the world in the night, which obviously never happened. But I, I, I do miss the people. There were there were some great people. And everybody travelled from... So like yourself, you're obviously American, travelled yes, a hell of a way to come to this hell uni. Oh, I hate that flight. And it, <laughs> and it was the same when I was a student. There was people from London, people from Bury, um, Manchester. They were, they were from all over, different walks of life. And it was lovely. And um, we have sort of stayed in touch via Facebook. Um, but people, they, they don't... They're, they're everywhere. They're not quite as easy to catch up with. Because I've, I've been very lucky in my career. I've always stayed in the northeast. I think there's there's a stigma that there's not enough in the northeast. There definitely isn't. It's been hard work staying in the northeast. But I have managed to, to do my whole career here in the northeast and never left Teesside. Even with Channel 4, I travelled down to London. I still do travel down a week or a few days or, or whatever and then travel back home and, and sort of do my career that way, really. So there definitely needs to be more in the northeast, but I do think there's there's opportunities here, always. If you had to give a piece of advice to, um, uh, I guess, fellow Sparky now, because you know now we're gonna we're gonna kind of adopt you too. You're a utopian, <laughs> but you're also a Sparky Thank now that you. you're here. I love um, that. But yeah, if you had to give a word of advice to one of us, what would it be? Ask for the no. This is something I always give people advice about, and it sounds a bit odd. What I mean by ask for the no is. If you don't ask that question, if you don't knock on someone's door and give them the opportunity to say, actually, no, sorry, we haven't got a space, you're not even giving them the opportunity to ask, to give them the yes. And the amount of doors you're going to knock on and get that no, one day that no will turn into a yes. So don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of the knockbacks. Don't be afraid of asking for that no, because one day it will be a yes. For more episodes from former members of Sparking Utopia, keep listening to Spark Reunited, sparking your interest in media.